Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. God has been doing something today. Uh, We've had a different message every service so far. And uh, it's all been under the same theme. And uh, the only thing that's going to be the same in this message is the, is the title. Um, but it's the same theme again. And the title of my message is called Go to the Mattresses, which comes apparently from the Godfather movies, which I've never seen and I don't want to see. But it talks about you've got to go to war and you've got to go to the mattresses. For me, it came from my favorite movie, which is You've Got Mail. And uh, girls, you need to watch that if you haven't seen it. I've seen it about 20-something times. And... Uh, in there, they tell her she's got to go to the mattresses, which means you've got to go to war, you've got to defend what's rightfully yours, and you haven't got to give up. And I thought to myself, that's a great message title, because, you know, in life, God calls us. Our conference this year, uh, in uh, July, we, we, our conference is Yours is Cherish, as is Shine. We've been going several years, and our theme this year was Lioness. And, you know, God wants to raise us up to be protectors and defenders of what is rightfully ours. And that's been the theme of today. And so uh, session one was different to session two. So like we were joking in the last session, get all the CDs, get the box set, and then you'll, you'll get like the actual the whole gist of it. But today, I want to go somewhere different, uh, but it's all about defending. You see, in life, God does suddenlies, but he also does steadilies. Um, Paul and Silas were in prison, and they were praising God, and they were chained, weren't they? Chained to the God on the right, chained to the God on the left. There was about 16 guards guarding them. And it says, all of a sudden, all of a sudden. That's why prayer and worship is so powerful. What is your go-to at home when things aren't going good? Because it should be prayer and worship. Because, you know, when you start to worship and you start to pray, the problem diminishes and God gets bigger. And when the Bible says, when I draw near to God, he draws near to me. So why is it as Christians we are so stupid sometimes that when something comes our way, instead of drawing near, we retreat and then we think we can do this on our own and that's when we get weak and that's when we get defeated and that's where we get bashed up and God says, hello, are you stupid? Come to me, draw near to me. So Paul and Silas are in prison and there's nothing they could do apart from praise and worship, and God steps in with us suddenly, woo, chains fall off, the angel gets them on the feet, they walk past all the guards, it's like, whoa, this is like a movie, and then they walk out of jail, and sometimes God does a suddenly, but more often than not, he does a steadily. How do you defend the promise of God in your life when it's steady? 
And this is where I feel I need to go today because some of you are like, I, I believe God has got the great things for me. I believe God has got a promise for my family. I believe my husband is going to get saved. I believe this and I believe that, but I'm not seeing it yet. You need to understand today that not every prayer is a suddenly. It's more often than not a steadily. So how do you defend the promise of God? Because we are instant people. We like things done instantly. I'm married to a chef. Well, he used to be a chef. He's now a pastor. But he, he, he's like an ex-chef. We don't do instant dinners in our house. Let me tell you. If you want an instant dinner, you're going to get rubbish quality. You're going to get like, can I say naff? You're gonna, it's going to be naff. Um, I don't know whether that translates over here. or <laughs> Some, 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 we've had some American preachers come to us and they've like sworn in our pulpits. It's like, oh no, you can't say that in England. Um, so I don't do instant coffee. You know, I don't do out of a jar, spoon, hot water. That's going to be substandard. You need to elevate your coffee experience. Whatever is good takes time. Whatever, if you want to enjoy a meal, you know, my husband, I'll put him, I'll shut him in that kitchen for three to four hours. And then what comes out on that plate is magic. Yeah, see, some people marry their spouses for their money. I married him for his cooking skills. <laughs> anyway, so some things take time, they are steady. But the whole theme of today is about being a defender. It's about going to the mattresses and it's saying, you are not going to rob from me anymore, devil. So in the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis, God comes to Noah and he says to Noah, I'm going to give you something that you need to do and you're not going to understand it, but you've got to obey me. You've got to build this huge boat. You've got to it's going to be the size of four football pitches and it's going to be several stories high and you're going to do it and you're going to get, it's going to rain and you've never seen rain, but you've got to trust me. You see, when God comes to you sometimes with a word, it may not make sense to you, but you have to trust him. And God wants you to understand today that if he's put a promise over your life, he's going to fulfill the promise. But what do you do in the meantime when you are waiting for the promise to be fulfilled? Because often God does a steadily. Yolanda. God is doing a steadily in your life. Do not give up. The Bible says, do not become weary in doing good because at the right time you will receive your harvest if you do not give up. God is doing a steadily in you and your family, but hang on because the promise of God is going to come to pass in your family. So don't give up. Now, Noah... Noah does what he does. You know, you know the story. You've read it to your kids. You've, you've, even if you've never been to church before, you've heard the story of Noah. And he builds the ark and the two by two animals go on and they're just having this time on there. And I was talking a little bit in the first service about some of the stick that maybe Noah would have got from his own family. Like, Dad, what are you doing? 
Dad, what is this about? You know, if you've got kids, grown-up kids, we've got three grown-up kids and their wives, it's like, you know, they're all going to be thinking, what is dad? What has dad done? He's like, he's got us on this boat and we have no idea. Sometimes your greatest critics can be in your own house. Sometimes your greatest challenge can be in your own house. Everyone else is not on the ark, but his family's on there. So I like to read into what's going on. And I'm thinking, there's got to be more to this than we know. So there's got to be all these family dynamics going on on the ark. Three daughters-in-law, imagine the dynamics. <laughs> well, why did we not get the master with the ensuite? Why is your brother and his wife had that one? You know, Can you imagine the dynamics that's going on? And all the time, they're probably going, Dad, Dad, have you got this right? Have you got this wrong? And is Noah at any point thinking, God, have I heard from you correctly? But Noah defends the promise of God. And we know he defends the promise of God because he stays faithful to that which God had called him. Now you may go, well, he had no other option, did he? Because he could not get off the boat. But I don't believe that was the case. I believe that Noah stood firm because that's why he received the promise. You see, some people get a promise from God, but then they go AWOL in the middle. They never get the promise from God. They blame God. God for not fulfilling his promise, but what did you do in the middle? It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And every one of us are on a journey, but if we go off on our own, I've seen many people through the years blame God for their situations, and you're like, no. Nah. I can tell you why your situation's like that, and it's nothing to do with God. It's because in the middle you stop defending. So I believe Noah would be like, God, I don't know what's going on. And my sons, and especially my daughter-in-laws, they're giving me a load of jip. But God, I, I'm, I'm defending because you said you were going to be with me. So we're going to go to Genesis 7, and we're going to go to the very last verse. Okay? The waters, so they're on the boat now. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. That's a long time. In my maths, that's about five months. In England, that's how many days in a month. I don't know what, whether it's different here. That's a long time. So they're already on it for five months. But God, say but God. But God remembered Noah and all the animals and the livestock that were with him. And he sent a wind and the waters receded. Let me stop there. The waters receded. That's a slow word. Hmm. It's receding. One day you've got hair, the next day you haven't got hair. In between, it recedes. It doesn't just go. Uh, <laughs> you go to the beach, it recedes. The, 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 the water recedes, you know? Unless it's a tsunami, it's not going to come in that quick. It's receding. So receding to me is a slow word. So here he is, he's on the ark. God's promised him it's going to be all right and it's going to work out great. But everything's taking a long time. It's like 150 days and now it says the water's receding. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed. And the rain had stopped falling from the sky. Here we go again. The water receded steadily. Oh, some of us do not like the word steadily. 
We're like, God, I want to do suddenly. And God says, no, that ain't good for you. If I do a suddenly, you're not going to be able to handle it. If I do a suddenly, it's all going to go wrong. You don't need a suddenly, my friend. You need a steadily. So the water receded steadily from the earth. And at the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, <laughs> here we go, the ark came to rest. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. This is more time. And on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Then after 40 days, that's a long time. Some of you think three days is a long time. After 40 days, Noah opens the windows that he made in the ark and he sends out a raven and he keeps going back and forth because he can't go anywhere. Then he sends a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground, but the dove could not find anywhere. There's a lot of patience going on here with Noah. A lot of patience. There was water, there was no water, so that came back. He reached out his hand and he took the dove and he brought it back in. Come on, dove, in. Stay with me for a bit. After seven more days, he let the dove go again. But this time, the dog, dove returned with a little bit of an olive leaf. Ah, oh, don't you love it when God just gives you a little sign that something's coming and he hasn't forgotten you. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days, here we go again, and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not come back. By the first day of the first month of Noah, 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry, and by the 27th day of the seventh month, second month, the earth was completely dry. This is a lot of time. Then God said to Noah, come on, out you come. You and your wife and your sons and your wives, bring out everybody, the birds, the animals, the creatures, so that they can multiply. And verse 18 says, Noah came out together with his wife and his sons and his sons' wives. And it goes on to say, which we may not have on the screen in verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord. In other words, the first thing Noah did was he worshipped God. When you have got your suddenly, when you have got your steadily, make sure the first thing you do is worship. But I want us to really go in these last 20 minutes or so today about what do you do when you have to defend the promise? Because the promise can take a long time. When we um, were built, our church was 1810. Yeah, I haven't been there that long. 1810. <laughs> And uh, we were called to the ministry in 89, correct? No, not 1889. Is that right? 1989. And, um, and then we outgrew the building, the old Baptist chapel. And God said we had to buy, uh, he told my husband, buy that land. And we bought a piece of land. But you know how long that took? 17 years. 17 years not to buy it, but to get the thing built. And then another so many. I'm telling you now, we are, we are a testament of steadilies. Uh, you know, and I know that God blesses you when you don't give up. And some of you are lightweights in this department. Um, I've, all, I've always said, God give me patience and give it me now. I'm not, I'm not very good at patience. But God has had to teach me patience. That when you don't see what 
God has promised you, when you don't see the answer to prayer, when you don't see that person getting healed, keep going and keep defending. Because when you defend, God says, that's my girl, that's my boy. Because at the end of the day, what God has said will come to pass. Abraham and Sarah, perfect story of doing it their own way because they can't be bothered in waiting for God, made a pig's ear of the whole thing, but God still turned up. So my friend, if you want to make a pig's ear of your life, then go ahead and don't wait for the steadily. But when you stick with God and you say, I don't care what it looks like, I am going to remain steadfast to God, to his promise for my life, and whatever it looks like right now, I am going to declare God's best over my life. I said this, thank you. I said this in the first service, and I'm going to say it again now. The best thing you could do this afternoon is watch the VeggieTales adaption of Noah. Noah's Ark. It takes 30 minutes. I'm telling you, it may be for kids, but it's going to get you. As an adult, I watched it several times in the last couple of months, and every time I have seen so much gold in that story. Now, obviously, they've like adapted it for VeggieTales. You know, Noah wasn't a beetroot or something, but... <laughs> I can't even remember, or an asparagus or something, no. And there's certain things in there they've obviously taken a little liberty with, but I'm telling you it's powerful. And you see them on the ark, and you see the one son he wants to get off, and he's like, Dad's got all this wrong, and he wants to get off. And there's a scene at the end of the movie, and it's so powerful, I rewound it, and I rewound it, and I, I kept showing it people. I'm like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And as they're on the ark, and... They've come out because the water, has, the rain has stopped and now they're on the top of the ark waiting, you know, releasing those birds. This massive sea monster comes out of the water, you know, in, and he's not really in the story, but he's in the VeggieTales one. And he, and he comes out and he's huge. And Noah, the man of God, goes, I'll deal with this. And he walks up to the sea monster and he goes, you are not in my story. And I thought that is so powerful because in that moment, and it was like funny because he, he then goes on to say, you're not in my story. And the, and the big sea monster that's bigger than the ark starts to diminish. And he, he says something like, come back for Job. You're not in my story. It's quite funny. Anyway. But I, I, I'm like, that is so profound because things come at us whilst we're waiting for the promise of God, whilst we're believing for God, something ugly, something huge, something subtle, whatever, may come to distract you and God says, just speak to it and say, you are not in my story. And today, my friend... In this final session, God wants me to remind you that you have to defend the promise of God over your life. We have some friends in South Africa, Pastor Mark and Jan Serfentine. We've uh, been to their church many times. My husband has spoken in South Africa many times for them. And they are a beautiful couple. Many years ago, he, he had something, he had an accident years before that. And he didn't know what was going on on the inside of his body. And he wasn't well. And the one day, he, he texts my husband, Mark, 
texted Mark and said, Mark, will you pray for me because I have to go to hospital tomorrow for this routine, he played it down, this routine operation, whatever. So my husband says, yes, I will pray for you. So on the Monday lunchtime, he took the dog for a walk and in the middle of this field with the dogs, he has this vision of Mark in South Africa dying and being sucked into eternity. So this is his story, really, but he says he turns around, he looks to see if there's anybody else in this field, and there's nobody there, and he calls out audibly, Mark, in the name of Jesus, come back. Mark, come back. And he sees him being sucked into eternity, and he says, Mark, come back. We learn the next day that the operation had been very serious, and an hour's operation had taken 14 hours, and that he died twice on the operating theatre. You see, some of you may not be with people right now to lay hands on them, but prayer can travel thousands of miles away. <laughs> prayer can change anything. And he'd got all these, I won't even tell you, but he'd got everything from down here during the, during the accident, intestines, organs, everything had been pushed up, wrapped around his heart. It was like major. So, so a couple of weeks after he was released, we were on his sofa in South Africa, and he said, Mark, I died twice. And he said, well, that, what, time, what time was that? And they told him, and it was the exact time that God had told him thousands of miles away, pray for Mark. So Mark and his wife have gone through some stuff, you know, a big recovery, a lot of things have gone wrong. He has to write a book about it because you have never known a man recover from so many things in his life, one thing after another after another. This year they were with us at our church and the promise of God over their life was Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night. You will not fear the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And the Lord gave that couple that promise over their lives. Fast forward several years of loads of operations and corrective surgery and everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And he's a living testament, still preaching, still declaring God. He's an, he's an absolute living miracle. They come to our church. They come to our stay in our house. They say, we have to tell you something. They said, last year we went to the hospital again because he was having a trouble in, trouble in a different area of his life. And he was told that they thought he had prostate cancer. And then they said it's gone from there now to the spleen. And after a few weeks and more tests, it's gone up here. And now they're telling him there's nothing they can do for him. He has stage four cancer. His wife says, there was him and his wife and the doctor. And his wife stands up, little Jan. And she stands up and she goes, no. No. 
She said, I do not accept that diagnosis over my husband. And the surgeon, the consultant goes, oh, my love, my love, I know you're like, you know, emotional, and I know this is bad news for you, and I know this is not what you wanted to hear. And she's about five foot three, and she's this skinny, and she stands up and she goes, no, we do not accept that diagnosis, because God told us Psalm 91. Uh, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000, but it's not going to come near us. The promise of God over their life was Psalm 91. What do you do when the promise of God doesn't seem to be fulfilling? What do you do when the promise of God seems to be going backwards? You still stand on the promise of God. And when a big, ugly sea monster comes into your story, you go, you are not in my story because I am going to defend the promise of God over my life, my children, my family. So the consultant tells her, calm down. She's like, no, this is not. So after a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, more tests, more tests, more tests, they can't, we didn't know this, did we? We didn't know that they'd just gone through this. Stage four cancer, nothing else you can do. Two weeks before he came to our house, he had been given the all clear from cancer. That is another miracle and another testimony. Don't tell me that God cannot heal. Don't tell me that that's too far gone for God to deal with. Don't tell me. But you see, some of us would go, oh, dear doctor, that is not what I wanted to hear today. And she's like, no, I defend the promise of God over my life. And I stand up and I go, no. And she said to us, she said, I know that if I had have not stood up that day and defended the promise of God, my husband would not be in your lounge now. And I'm, do we love doctors and nurses? Of course we do. Do we love what they do? Of course we do. But do they have the final word? No, God has the final word. So whatever promise is over your life, you need to defend it. Maybe God has given you a vision for your future. Maybe God, you know, you're like, oh, hang on. Some of you are like, God's not given me a promise. Well, you haven't read the Bible then. You should know the Bible. It is full of God's promises. It is full of them. God wants to bless you. He wants to, he, he says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. It says that, um, it says that God is for me. Who can be against me? It says that in all things, he's going to work out the good for those who love him and those who are called. He's got so many promises over my life. He's, he's come to give me life. You know, I went through a time in my life, you know, I had to ask the girls from Cherish, I'm not going to go there. But I went through a time in my life, two years of darkness and blackness, and it was vile. And I had to stand on the promise of God every day that said, God, you have come to give me life and you've come to give it me to the full. And this is not like, this is not that, but I stand on your word because God has never lied and he will never let you down. And some of you, some of you need to put God to the test. But what you've done is you've let the sea monster come up 
and you've gone, oh, this is too big. Oh, I'm going to go and hide. Oh, no, this is the end. And you need to rise up in faith today and say, you are not in my story. I am going to defend the promise of God over my life. You know, some of you today, you are being shortchanged by the enemy. But the problem is you are letting him shortchange you. You cannot let him come into your house and rob you. You have got to stand up. And you've got to, with the authority of the word of God. You see, if I was, um, I have to tell this story. Many years ago, there was a guy uh, that you went to Bible college with. He was a Pentecostal. He was a bit out there. And he was on a, he was on a bus. He was on a double-decker bus. Do you know what a bus is? Yeah. Do you have buses in America? Yeah. He's on a double, he's on a double decker bus and he's coming home from church and he's on the top deck of the bus and he's worshiping at the top of his voice. He's worshiping on the bus. The bus driver stops the bus, not at the bus stop, just stops the bus. He comes up the stairs and he says to the guy, shut up singing. And the guy goes, no, my father owns this bus. And the bus driver goes, okay then. And he goes back down and he carries on. Now, I don't know whether he thought his dad owned the bus company, but what he meant was, my God is in charge, and if I want to worship him, I'm going to worship him. And some of you are letting the enemy be loud in your life when you go, no, my dad owns this. My, God, my God's in charge of this. My God is over my life. I am not going to let the devil rob from me. I want you to stand right now. Come on, keyboard player. I want you to stand right now, and I want you to receive from God this morning. If you feel that you have been robbed in any area of your life, I want you to lift your hands towards heaven right now. And I pray right now that God will give you the courage and the strength to take back that which the enemy has stolen. You need to say to something right now, you are not in my story. You need to come against that doctor report and go, you are not in my story. I don't care how bad it looks and how difficult the circumstance. He that is in me is greater. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. He's my provider. He's Jireh. He's Shalom. He's Shaddai. He's with me. And nothing and no one is greater than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And guess what? He happens to be my dad. And that guy on the bus said, my dad owns this bus. And today, my friend, God is in charge of your life, not the enemy. Father, we thank you right now for every hand raised in this place. And we pray in the name of Jesus that we will go out of here determined not to get ripped off by the devil. And it doesn't matter how bad things are looking. And it doesn't matter like Noah, how steadily this thing seems to be going. I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to keep trusting your word because God, your word is real. It is alive and he will never, ever, ever let me down. Come on, who's going to give God some praise this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. 
For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.